Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another week here at the RGM Experience Podcast. How are you doing? You ready? Hello, I'm Carl, and I've got me, me eyelashes uh, sticking to my eye. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, I'll not get bogged down in details. Uh, I'm fresh from a little trip, to, so I'm recording this podcast the day before it goes out, and it goes out on the Monday, so welcome to everybody that's joining us. Uh, yeah, last night I was uh, over in Sheffield uh, at one of those barbecues in the heat. Uh, lovely day with friends. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to lose a bit of timber, you know, uh, so trying to be good in that. I'll run the Peronis, uh, but the zero version of it. Very good, very good. Uh, yeah, driving home and all that. Uh, and the barbecue all cracked it open. So I thought, yeah, I'll be good. I'll, I'll have a burger, you know, a little sausage in there. A little bit of cheese, you know, a bit cheeky. Uh, felt good about it, you know. Uh, just had one thing. Um, and then all the desserts came out. Oh, mate. Made a right fool of myself. Uh, I had that much cheesecake yesterday uh, that I think I woke up half cheesecake. I felt grim. It was like, it was just like, have you ever woke up from a, a cheesecake coma before? No? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, well, I did, okay, and uh, let me share this information with you. Uh, I felt shite this morning. So what did I do? I'm all over it. But, right, I can't have this. This is just, I've, I've just put my body through sugar hell. This, this is, this can't continue. So I went to the gym and did a little 5K. Yeah, I feel sound now. I've just got back. Uh, I've got myself a brew now. Just cracking into my day. Uh, looking into the week ahead here at RGM. At the RGM Experience Podcast. Um, and, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a, an amazing episode ahead for you today. Harry Larkin joins us today. It was such a, you know, interesting story. And, you know, made loads of commitments to a career and making sure she... Like moving to different cities and stuff, just to, you know, start anew and, you know, crack on with the music. Um, amazing. And within such a small, short period of time, she was headlining, not headlining, sorry, she was, she was playing the main stage at Tromlines, and I actually went to see her. Uh, first on on the Friday at Tromlines, first artist on the main stage. Amazing, just proper really good just really good but we, we talk about all of that the, the build up is all coming up so how do you get to play the fucking main stage at Tramlines uh, so it's a great story coming a, coming, a, coming your way with Harry 
Uh, we also discussed about how important the lead mill is, particularly, you know, you know, she's based in Sheffield now. How important the lead mill is to our community. You know, we talk about stories about me playing at the lead mill and all the years that we've spent there. Such an important venue to the people of Sheffield. Uh, so we talk about that. Within the Sheffield music industry, and she's quite new to Sheffield, and she's investigated all the... Uh, stakeholders I think the right word for it is uh, you know just to try and progress within the city which is very wise very wise uh, so we talk about Matt Hume at West Street Live Paul Tufts at Sydney and Matilda uh, Ben Hartley at the Lead Mill and of course Christian Carlisle the boy at BBC introducing Sheffield that offers so much support for artists out there uh, so, we, so we talk about the journey of somebody in Sheffield, um, you know, creating a, a career for themselves in music, and eventually playing the main stage at Tramlines, which is the holy grail for thousands of people in my home city. Um, so it's a, we have a great chat. Really enjoyed getting to know her. So that's coming up very shortly. So what's been going on in RGM this week? You will have seen, we've been quite Edinburgh fringe heavy this week. And it's been absolutely amazing. A big up to UK Sound Advice for for covering the festival for us this week. Uh, We've done a daily diary of all the highlights from the Fringe Festival. Uh, And it's gone amazingly well. You know, while they were walking around Edinburgh, when comedians and stuff get... um, it's all about getting five stars as a comedian in, uh, at, at the Fringe to try and stand out a bit. So within our reviews, we've been offering a starred service. Uh, and just walking around the Fringe, there's loads of posters up of comedians and the shows that's on. Uh, and there's loads of like that stickers on top saying RGM, four and a half stars, five stars. So RGM's all over <laughs> Edinburgh at the minute. I love that. We put a few examples out on the socials, on uh, Instagram and stuff recently. Uh, definitely on Twitter, it's on there. Uh, I'll share it out more this week. Cause, uh, we're going to do like a preview for the rest of the festival as well, because I don't know if you know, it's about a £1,000 a night to sleep in Edinburgh while the fringe is on. I don't I've made that figure up. It's very expensive anyway. Um, so we've done the first week, but, you know, it's, it's very expensive to stay out for a month anywhere, isn't it? Um, so we've covered the first week, uh, and we're going to start doing like doing previews and what's happening each week uh, on the festival now. For Fran from UK Sound Advice has uh, come back home. He lives in Bournemouth. Um, so yeah, so loads of comedy content, which is amazing. Um, and thanks to you know we mentioned on the last podcast, quite a few people are tuning in now. It's uh, exciting. Thank you. Uh, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you've been here from the start, congratulations. Um, and, you know, stick with us, please. Uh, and, yeah, you know, if, if you're just popping in for the odd episode now and again, how are you doing, pal? You're right. Um, yeah, we really appreciate whoever you are, wherever you are, tuning into the podcast. It's very much appreciated. And it's very much appreciated our sponsor, Scott's Menswear, as always. I just bought some new trainers from Scott's the other day. Check out their website. Loads of deals going on. Scott'smenswear.com um, So yeah, shall we, shall we crack on with the chat? Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Harry Larkin. Morning, mate. Hello. Hi. Where do we find you today? Where are you? Today I'm in uh, I'm in Cornwall at my mum's ah, housewarming party. Right. Oh. 
housewarming party? Have they just bought somewhere new, or obviously? Yeah, she's been doing up a house for a year, and now I've got like a well, like we've rented out portaloos and like fields, and there's like hundreds yeah. of people coming. <laughs> hundreds of people coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice one. <laughs> I'm playing a set as well. Tomorrow. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, so it, it's all happening tomorrow because today it's Friday, so it's all happening tomorrow on the Saturday, then, is it? Yeah. Ah, okay, nice one. It's a bit of a weekend thing. Shindig type thing. Well, I, well, I, I wanted I wanted to start off because I, I do keep a close eye on the Sheffield music scene, and I kept seeing your name pop up, mate. Um, and w- whenever that happens, I'm like, "Hello, let's let's have a chat with this new person that's that I'm seeing all over the internet and that kind of stuff." Um, so yeah, it, it, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I just want to get to know you a little bit, learn about about your story and that kind of stuff, and just shoot the shit a bit, if that's all right with you, mate. Yeah, that's great. Oh, brilliant. Lovely so, to be here. So, uh, so you, you live in Cornwall, so you perform Cornwall originally? Yeah, yeah. I'm from the south, from the Cornwall. South. Yeah, brilliant. So what? how did you, you know, what? how did you pop up in Sheffield? What made you move to sunny Sheffield from grim Cornwall? <laughs> um, basically, <laughs> I went to university to do music in Bristol because it was the nearest decent town for music, yeah. city. And uh, there I met someone, um, my my a girlfriend at the time, and she ended up mm. playing bass for me. Um, oh. And when uni finished, we didn't know where to go. And she said, well, instead of going back to Cornwall where there's no jobs, mm. we could go back to mine and uh, earn loads of money for like equipment and stuff. And um, the point is that was my first introduction to Sheffield. So that didn't work out. I came back recorded an album here which was beach city mm. in cornwall and then i realized i needed to go and play it somewhere with music and i'd seen that sheffield was a bit like a corn like a like a northern bristol and mm. bristol hadn't worked out so i decided to go on my own and, wow. and make a go of it and that's how i ended up in sheffield so sheffield i know uh just from my personal bit i'm from sheffield originally if, if anybody didn't know with this accent um but my wife's from manchester she studied in sheffield and i was speaking to john mcclaw at tramlines the other day his wife that moved to sheffield sheffield keeps people doesn't it It grabs people for for some reason why, why do you think yeah. that is it's friendly and when you get up there and you literally don't know anyone because mm. when i came up this time i didn't have any connection to my to mm. that to that girl that i went up with i yeah. felt like people kind of took me in a bit and I didn't really mm. know why but they like warmed me really quickly thought I was nice thought I was funny yeah. <laughs> and the, I love the music and the art that's why I went and that's why I stayed um but the people I think are what like grab you in and it's there's lots to do it's cool yeah it is a cool place it is a cool place it's very green as well I live in Manchester now uh, and when I was over for tram lines it's just it it it's it, it's it's got such a you know warm place in my heart, Sheffield. That coming back to it and just seeing how green it is compared to what it's like in Manchester, it's just yeah, a, it's that's just a, a huge yeah, a huge plus because I live right near the beach here and it, it's really sad. Like when it gets really hot, I don't know what to do. Mm. But uh, when when I moved to Sheffield and then then I discovered the peaks because I my friend got a car and then yeah. I could go there and it was really good. Yeah, well, we're going to come because I, I I watched you at Tramlines on the bloody main stage, mate. I don't know how that happened. We'll come to that story in a bit, <laughs> further down the line. Um, but, you know, I wanted to catch up with you at Tramlines. It didn't quite work out with the timings and stuff, did it? But no. uh, but I think we'll have a better chat today. Uh, and I'm just yeah. looking forward to getting to know you a little bit. So I just wanted to rewind and go back a little bit. So how did young Harry, uh, 
uh, get into music originally? You know, how did, when was the first time that you noticed that music's going to be a passion of yours? Oh, um, I asked to play guitar when I was like way too small to hold it. I think I was like five years old and mm. dad was like, you know, wait till you can physically hold a guitar and then <laughs> and then we'll see if in, if in a year or whatever you still want to. It was just little it Harry like, like that, just like always drawn towards these things in the yeah. corner of the house type thing. Yeah, it, do you know what? It was little little things as well. Like when I was in like year six, mm. like Busted came out and I was completely yes. obsessed with Busted, like really, really obsessed. <laughs> and I became obsessed with like everybody who I liked as well. It wasn't just a normal like, oh yeah, I really like this band. It was like, mm. I know the time and place that each member was born and their favourite food and shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, so when I was nine, I got my first guitar and I've been playing like obsessively ever since. Mm. So that's how. So how, how did you like, is music around in the in the family home? Is that how you like first started seeing these strange objects in the corner of, of the room? Is, is that how you found it? Is, have you got a musical family? Yeah, I do actually have a musical family, um, but in a really weird way. Like, mm. so my dad's side, they um, are like really good with piano and organ, mm. and they do all the local. Like, imagine a really old Cornish village. Uh, yeah. My my dad's side, they're all farmers. So, what they do for like fun and social stuff? Go and play organ at the church. Go and play music at the Methodist things and mm. the pantomimes and all of that stuff. But my gramps, he was like grade eight piano, and he was like a teenager. So that's always been in the family. And then my mum's side's Irish, so lots of singing, lots of mm. lots of music in that side. And so it's always been around, but not in the way that I do it. But that's cool, <laughs> right? It, it is cool, isn't it? I, I, I love, like, you know, how much... And I, I mention on this podcast pretty much every bloody week, but uh, just because I speak to music people, it's just when it grabs your music, it's a... It's you, you can't let it go, can you? It's just one of those things that you just you you you're, yeah. cur- you're cursed with in a way. I know that there's nothing else. I knew very early on there was nothing mm. else that I wanted to do. Nothing else I was as good at. Um, and when you're like a little kid mm. and you're good at something, it really like builds your confidence, gives you something to go on, and it definitely shaped my identity. Um, when I really needed something to, it felt quite awkward and weird. Yeah. And I was like little plump ginger kid that didn't know she was gay (laughs) and uh and it really helped me kind of find a way to be accepted and it took a while I mean you you're Mm. crap for a long time and then you're just embarrassing like people are like she's trying to sing it's really embarrassing (laughs) but you know then I got good and everyone shut up (laughs) so was it was it difficult growing up uh you know in Cornwall and you know not uh you know uh, without music for you personally um I had a rough time at school, Matt, no matter where I was, really. Um, it just like when I first started here, because because I was in Cornwall in a tiny village, um, there was one other girl in my year <laughs> and she hated me. Like, she used to bully me a lot. <laughs> right. uh, but now, funnily enough, like her family's coming to this party tomorrow. So oh, it's wow. funny how time changes. Yeah. You know, she's lovely now. I'm lovely now. Yeah. Well, I was always lovely. I was just getting bullied. But, you know. Yeah. Okay. So does did that... Has, has that experience of, you know, having a tough time at school, has that helped you with your songwriting, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, because whilst everyone else was out doing their own thing, well, to be honest, what do you do when you're younger? You, like, go out and smoke rollies and yeah. go around in little groups on your scooters and, <laughs> I don't of, know. Bottles of cider? 
involved. Yeah, but oh yeah, we're cool. Of course, it's bottles of cider. <laughs> um, but then I would be like in my, my so because I live on a farm. Mm. There was this room above one of the sheds, and when I was like fourteen, my dad was like, "I'm gonna." turn it into a music for your uh, a room for your music and I also played drums and that we had an old kit in there and everything so whilst everyone else was out in their like formative social years 14 to literally when I left for uni I would be up in that room every night writing songs and they were always you know angsty kind of tunes about about how I felt like living in the middle of nowhere and being isolated and what I wanted. And I wanted to be in the city and I wanted to have friends and a crew and a tribe and a purpose. And, mm. and it all just built up and led me to where I am because I bloody got it. Nice one, mate. Nice one, mate. You, you, you seem quite like determined. You've got just from this, just, you know, from this initial chat on this Zoom call, you seem quite determined. Mm. You know what you want, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do with this. This, you know, life's a big, scary thing, but I know yeah. that I want this. Yeah, and and, yeah. and what and what is you know you know the music industry is one of the most beautiful, beautiful and harshest industries in the world. How do you how do you uh, prepare for for what's to come? I don't know how else to word it. I don't think. Well, I kind of think I've been preparing since I was. Yeah. Since I was asking for a guitar when I was too small, okay, um, and like I never, I've never questioned what I wanted. It, there are scary parts, but mm. to me, not having it and not having a, a thing to aim for is more scary. Mm. And not using this thing that I'm good at would be more scary. Yeah. Uh, so there's nothing really to prepare. Whatever happens, happens. But I know that I, I will go for it as hard as I can, and I have been for so long that to get to this point and to back down in any way just not an option it's just yeah. like i've i've been uh like i said i was in at uni in bristol for mm. i was there for five years still playing under harry larkin mm. started writing under harry larkin 12 years ago mm. and mm. obviously i've got to sheffield and something's clicked so now i'm just going to hold on for dear life and ride it until what? to wherever it goes even if it goes nowhere it's ride or die now okay well, sure. why do you think it didn't click in bristol it could have been the timing like mm. i've I, did, I was a bit more pop punk, but that was just because of what I was listening to when I was younger. Mm. But um, the timing, maybe I wasn't ready. But honestly, a lot of the songs that we played on that main stage, mm. I had written for my band in Bristol when I was like 21, 22. And now I'm 28. Mm. And that band was like, oh, music's just, I'm just not passionate about it. Mm. You know, and so I had to keep restarting and like find new members in Bristol and also nobody would play my music on BBC Introducing in Bristol. When I came home to Cornwall, nobody would play it on Cornwall. Mm. And that's why when I recorded the album Beach City, I wasn't letting go of it until I moved to a brand new postcode. Okay. <laughs> and that that was part of the the move. I was like, right, well, this is in the way and I need to overcome that. I'm gonna have to move somewhere brand new. Mm. I did no research into like the introducing show at Sheffield, but Christian Carlisle was literally like mm changed and saved my my life without meaning to because he just simply played what i writ which is good yeah. enough to be played i don't get why there'd be a two-hour show every week and like you can't fit in a song that's like a good song i, I don't know mm. but these people have a lot of power like so much power that most people would have given up but not me i just moved <laughs> no, i love it I, I know christian personally i know how much of a 
uh, an ambassador for Sheffield Music he is and his passion for I didn't quite it's the first tram lines I didn't see him uh, for many years and we usually like catch up at tram lines and have a good chat about you know what's going on and you know what's the scene in Sheffield uh, 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 you know how's it bubbling and try and get a bit of insight from him because he's so close to it because I live in Manchester I don't feel as close to it as what I used to be but I, I, I look online and I try and you know see who's coming up in Sheffield all the time because it's just you know I just want to um, and then Harry popped up there there you were so it, it must have been a you know, quite a daunting thing to... I, I can't imagine just upping sticks and just moving to a city that I've not researched. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was there for a I'm time. Not, I'm not brave enough to do that. So, what, what, talk me through, the, you know, how that came about. Well, like I said, I've been there for like a couple months yeah, okay. after uni, but that was purely working in the kitchen. Mm. I got out to a couple gigs, but it wasn't, yeah. I had a small taste. What it was, was the flyers walking down, walking down the road, seeing all the band flyers, mm. uh, hearing about Tramline's Fringe. Yeah. I never got to experience it. That's a lie. Oh, right. Okay. So <laughs> when, when I was 22 in Bristol, before my uh, really like the lineup that had like quite a lot of hope in it yeah. before everyone left after uni, okay. we did a tour. It was really small and it was very like pointless. But my dad hired like a little camper van and we drove around for a week, literally all over the country, like blowing so much money than it was ever worth. But it was like something I really wanted to do. And we got a spot in 2016 at Hutton's Bar on West Street for tram lines. And I didn't even realise that I'd played tram lines before um, (laughs) until I was going through my Instagram and I saw the post. I was like, Mm. oh, my God. So last year was actually the third year I played tram lines. Once with my Bristol lineup in in 2016, Last year was my first, my second ever gig with the new lineup at the Fringe, and literally eleven months later, we played the main stage. And I don't know, man, twist of fate, bit of luck, but you know, people yeah. say never give up, <laughs> never give up. Well, like never H- H- Hutton's Bar, that's that historically isn't a music venue. It's just like it's one of those pubs that uh, or I bars. Think it's closed that- now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 I can remember it used to just put stuff on at tram lines like everybody did because, you know, yeah, yeah. cashing in on the fringe yeah. and all that kind of stuff, just like one of them pop-up venues. To have that three years ago and be on the main stage, I'm definitely going to come to the main stage stuff because yeah. I'm excited. Well, to... that one that one would have been six years ago. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Oh, weird. Where's it so go? Weird. Where's it go? I don't know. <laughs> to lines on the old face. <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, so yeah, Christian Carlisle, massive ambassador for Sheffield Music and such a nice guy himself to, you know, it, it, he's got an eye for talent, hasn't he? And he's obviously spotted, what do you think he spotted in you that other um, BBC introducing uh, people didn't? I think that like he loves everybody's music and all the genres. Mm. But I think the difference for me is, first of all, I listen to the show all the time, like mm. way more than just when I'm on it or mm. like trying to find my segment. I listen all the time, especially when I moved here, because I wanted to understand what I was getting into. Yeah. When I turned up this time, I had a serious blueprint of how I was going to approach everything after not getting any plays anywhere else. And, mm. and I knew that I wanted to make a big impression quite quickly because, I don't know, I kind of felt like it was my last real crack at, mm. real crack at it. And when I was listening to the show, he likes so much stuff. I don't think you can stand out because everybody stands out in their own way, whether you're grand rap, whatever. So I think for me, it was the fact that I had a whole album 
and that I was just prolifically like banging them in every other week. Like, here's another one, here's another one. Yeah. And he played everything. Wow. <laughs> so I think that, that that album was a culmination to me, I think, of singles that I'd written from when I was 16 to like 23. Yeah. And he was just got, he got them all like every week and another one and another one. Ones I would have put out of singles mm. back at years back, but I just, I saved them all to see if this would work and it did so you mentioned something interesting there you came to Sheffield with a blueprint yeah I did <laughs> talk us through what the blueprint was okay so with the CD I knew that the thing that might make me stand out was that I had all these songs ready mm. and there was I just could just go bang 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 uh, and once I got there I quickly mapped out sort of the venues the local bands it started out the blueprint with go to open bikes, put yourself out there, make as many contacts as you can, literally on the bottom level of the scene. Mm. And I literally built up and up and up. So then it would be like, go to West street live, see who's playing, mm. uh, make friends with people there, like the promoter. Um, I didn't actually make friends with Mackie for a long time, but mm. that's a, he, that's a different story. Um, but then after you've played those venues, then it was like, well, who runs Sydney and Matilda? Right, and he must know who runs someone at the lead mill. Mm. And through trying to get in at the lead mill, like a, a lot of um, steps forward, I've run into the name Ben Hartley, mm. who ended up booking me for the biggest game of my life because I got in touch promoting myself saying, hi, Ben, I've, I've had this amount of uh, plays on BBC Introducing this year. I am told him my story and I was like, I think I'd be perfect at this stage to open up for some touring bands at the lead mill mm. if you you know here's all my details and one day i literally just got a call and he was like yeah i'm thinking of booking you for the 22nd of july i don't even know if you'd ever seen me play yeah and he just uh we skipped a lot of the blueprint in that one swift move because yeah. i didn't even play lead didn't mill. Need to. <laughs> but uh yeah my yeah. basic plan is i broke it down into sections i knew that you needed to make acquaintances in this area and that area to unlock the next area. And I thought of it like a video game. Yeah. Well, because you mentioned Matt Hume there, there is, there is kind of a, like a, um, a hierarchy of, you know, people within the music industry. I'm always going to end up, uh, you know, supporting grassroots music. Cause I just, I just like it down here. It's nice. Um, yeah. so, so you mentioned Matt Hume there at West street live. He, he was, your contact there. he is amazing. Um, and then you mentioned Sydney Matilda, so obviously you'll have got to know Paul Tufts. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. And this is the thing, it yeah. is all genuine. Mm. I am genuinely like so interested in these people. I care about them, like yeah. uh they're nice guys. Like it's not it's not this like cold blooded plan because I live and breathe music all the time. Yeah. I was out every day at gigs anyway. But it was like, right, how can I be smart about this mm. so that I can get known as fast as possible as someone with no roots in the city yeah. because when you play a gig your mates might come or your mum might come if it's mm -hmm. a big one so I was playing to like no one and people from the open mics started to come mm -hmm. and so the first level of the blueprint started to attend the second yeah. level of the blueprint <laughs> and then as it grew and grew you know it just it shouldn't have worked it was a stupid dream and I had nothing else to go on and I just started to do it and it just started to naturally build and I used to get so excited. My mum would be like, hi, how's it going? Are you doing better? And I'd be like, mum, I met the man from Sydney and Matilda and, and we talked and 
he said I could play that. She's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But she didn't understand the blueprint was in full swing. (laughs) She didn't know about this evil plan you'd got for world domination. Yeah, brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So so what kind of advice, like looking back on, you know, meeting, you know, the marvellous Matt Hume from West Street Live and Paul Tufts, what kind of advice did those give? Because they are very vocal and they are very passionate about supporting artists. I know those two guys personally myself and I know the great work that they do in, in, in... without those two people and we'll get on to Ben at the lead mill shortly without those two people in the grassroots music scene in Sheffield you you you, you kind of scrounging around for people like me that put the odd thing on, on uh, the frog and parrot um without those two you know massive individuals in the industry it's Sheffield are, you know they're it, like big they're like corners they're like pillars cornerstones yes, of the community what, yeah. and and you you don't know who they are until you really get in amongst the people who are doing the music mm. and talk and have real conversations and attend other people's gigs you can't just walk in and extract information out of people no. like you've got to really be i think like my sincerity and stuff is is how it's all worked out as well because i yeah. i really do love everybody else's music i'm a massive fan of everyone mm. it's whether you're playing an open mic somewhere or you know you're you're playing the lead mill or whatever so it did quickly work out that people had heard about me through little things and, and it just made it easier. So Matt, Matt actually got in touch with me and I didn't know he ran West street live. And he just said, hi mate. Um, me and Christian Carlisle friends. He told me about your music. He was like, we're massive fans. And do you know, do you know what my drummer, he's like Sheffield local boy. You know him. Yeah. I know him. He used to drum in drum with tiny. Yeah, I've had him yeah, on yeah. at gigs before in Sheffield. Yeah, good lad him. Yeah, really good lad. Um, he said to me, because I wanted to play everywhere and anywhere, like for free, whatever. And yeah. he said, if you're going to be taking it seriously and not running yourself, working yourself to the bone and you want to be clever about it, I would hold off playing at West Street Live once we got to, because, you know, it's no pay and whatever. Yeah. But yeah. it's a great proving ground, right? And I knew that. So I always went and said, I'll go play at Acoustic. Yeah. But with the band, he was like, well, we'll hold that one off. And when Matt said to me that he was rest friends of, or like really good friends of Christian Carlisle, mm. I said to Danton, this is like the only lead I have to this mysterious yeah. Christian Carlisle that had started <laughs> to play our music. I was like, I think it would be really good if he heard from his friend <laughs> that we were really good live. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might help us. So the blueprint is it's literally not a real thing but it's like every time i find a lead i will like follow it and he mm. kind of trusts me and he was like okay we play west street live mm. if matt hume's there and you want to want him to mysteriously tell christian that you're good life anyway i don't know if that happened or not but me actually meeting matt was great and he was such a big a big supporter and it made yeah. me feel really welcome in the city and and may, I hope it did get back to Christian because that was part of my plan. <laughs> and then maybe it didn't. I don't know. And then but Paul yeah. Tufts, you know, you know, like it, I, I just know from uh, speaking to bands that, I, like, even out of Sheffield, that come into Sheffield and said, "This sound guy, he, he were telling me like what I need to do with my sound and me, uh, and you know, with my amps and turn stuff up, turn stuff down, change that symbol, everything." You know, Paul Tufts is such a an amazing artist himself uh, with sound and such yeah, an experienced yeah. person, um, you know, to play to because he will give you advice at every opportunity. Uh, to make you sound better and be the best that you can be. How, how how did you find working with Paul? Paul was awesome. Like 
I, I went to a jam night at Sydney and Matilda and he mm. was doing sound. And I knew that I wanted to go and talk to him to just introduce myself. Mm. I think I found him online first. I used to just ask people who runs this and whatever. Mm. Talked to him online for a bit. Once I knew what he looked like, I went to a thing there so I could introduce myself. And um, he was really good. Like, I just remember the sound being great. And when I went up for my bit, sounded so good. Like the reverb was perfect. Sounded yeah. really big for whatever. And as time went on, he ended up doing sound for me when I, I played in uh, Doncaster with Everly Pregnant Brothers mm. acoustic. And he come up and he was like, oh, that set was sounding really good because he'd seen me play like and develop a bit mm. over like, I don't know, only like eight months. And having his, I don't know, him tell me that it was going good and that meant a lot because he sees so many bands every day uh, in the scene. So, I don't know. He didn't have to say it sounded really good, but he yeah. did. Yeah. It was good. Good on you, boys. Keep supporting these artists. Uh, if you're listening to this, <laughs> it's, it's very much appreciated. And then the call from Ben at the lead mill. That must have been a nice call. Yeah. I was. At, it was actually a Facebook message, but I, I think okay. it's a call. Yeah. Um, so... I was at work, working a care home. It's pretty mundane. Yeah. I do like it though. And uh, it was like 11.30 on a random day. And I'd sent out a message eight days before just introducing myself, like I said earlier. Mm. Like, hey, uh, this is me. I'm from here. I would love to be, uh, you know, considered to play for touring bands. And just got this message like, you from Sheffield, mate. That was the only response. <laughs> And I said, yeah. Sussing you out straight away, just checking. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I am. I am from Sheffield. Because you've got to be right to be the open. I don't know, you probably do, to be the open event. And then, like, literally, just bam, eight days later. Hi, mate. You're free 22nd of July. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, make sure that you are, though. Don't. Don't bail if so, I didn't so the, say you are. Is this, is this going to be tram lines or is this going to be the... Because I know you supported... Uh, I, I was in town for Sheffield and I wanted to meet you and, and you couldn't... I couldn't meet you that night because you were supporting Everly Pregnant Brothers at the lead mill. Is this after that you're going into this I bit? sound so busy, but I'm not. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, this, this gig is that, that he that he messaged me about was actually tram lines. Oh, right. I'll okay, tell you about the lead mill one if you want. Yeah. I did, yeah, just let, let's put... I, I, I want to build to the tram lines bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, keep, keep people listening. He, <laughs> yeah, so um, funny thing is that mm. The first that when I was nineteen and I met this girl that originally said I'll oh, come to Sheffield for a bit. Yeah. She like told me about Henderson's relish because like she was like I put relish on pies and I was like thinking of burger relish on pies. I was like that's fucking weird. And like she was like no no no. So we talked about that and she showed me no other no pie yes. and that song about Hendos by uh, Everly Pregnant Brothers. I was nineteen and I was like this is like hilarious and whatever. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And then one day, um. I get a message from a promoter saying, Hey, are you, would you like to support Everly Pregnant Brothers at Doncaster? This was me acoustic. Yep. And um, I was like, Yeah, of course. Until I got there, <laughs> I didn't clock. It was the, the guy, like it was yeah. the no pie guy. Uh, and uh, we met and he Big picked Sean. me up and he drove me. Was it Big Sean that contacted you? No, it was a promoter actually. Oh, the promoter, okay. But then when I got there, Big Sean was like, Ah, oh, I've loved your stuff for years. I've been playing it all over my little radio show. Mm. And uh, people have been showing me it in beer gardens for like a couple of years, like mutual people that we knew sort of. And um, he was like, so I asked 
specifically if you could support us mm. and basically went met everyone there i was like totally blown away i was like oh my god it's the drummer from pulp oh my god it's <laughs> pete key like i didn't even know who pete key was i just knew he he was the artist man yeah and then i was talking to him all evening and they were like in the wings whilst i played my my song and i was in their dressing room and that to me it was mad yeah and then they bought like CDs and I was like, what's your name again, mate? And he was like, Pete. And I was like, you're Pete Key. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not very cool. In fact. No, I'm just very like, uh, yeah. um, anyway. And then like a couple of weeks later, I got a message. After, it was a great gig and, and Paul Tufts had done the sound mm. and it was Sean. And he said, you're right, mate. Uh, we've, we're doing our big, like lead mill show live and electrics completely sold out in the main room, like 900 people. And it was a no-brainer, like, we want you and your full band to support us. And that was all through, literally, because he liked my songs. And then he asked me, and I went and played Blinder. Mm. And then he was like, right, you're all coming back for, for our, what was it, like, delayed for two years because yeah. of COVID, big old gig at the Leadville. And just like, what? <laughs> How do you feel like all the news stories that are going around about the Leadville at the minute? Um, do you mean, like, the take the shutdown the, of the potentially uh the closure of this iconic venue like you know it, it for me the lead mill is like the bedrock of sheffield music i've played there many a times i've supported in, in, with my bands rick witter i've supported spiral carpets through the years and yeah man and i played the smaller room loads of times just playing in the band and other with other sheffield bands and just you know spending a lot of nights drinking really bad vodka there uh, just being out and about with all my mates and that kind of stuff. And, you know, to, to even think about that, that venue might not be there in the future is is just a little bit upsetting. Yeah, that it is completely tragic because even when I was in Bristol, I'd heard mm. stories of the Leadville. And when my dad in Cornwall in a local old pub was saying, oh, Haz has got this gig at a place called the Leadville, People were like, the lead mill? Mm. She's going to be famous. Because <laughs> like, yeah. everybody's heard of it. Even an old man in a bloody pub round here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everyone's heard of lead mill. And sadly, the news of the eviction came out the week that I played it, like the week after, literally mm. like four or five days after we played. And um, it was crazy because, first of all, I was really sad. I was felt really lucky that I'd got to play it. Um, and then I just felt really sad that I wouldn't ever get to play like it, play it as like Harry Larkin show. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I thought, what about all these bands in the scene that have been working for years, like with the dream to get in their show at the Lead Mill? Because it becomes a dream, doesn't it? It's like a big mm. deal, especially to any local Massive. Massive. Uh, guy, guy or girl. And um, I felt so lucky to have played it, especially the big room, man. Like what? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel sorry for for everybody in the scene and not even not in the scene because it's a part of not just like Sheffield culture, but I'd probably say like English music culture. Absolutely, it, yeah. It's embedded in it. So there's nothing really sadder than losing that bit of heritage. Fingers crossed it all works itself out. I've not heard any updates on it lately, but um, I'm sure Sheffield will have its way. It's got it's it's got there's something about it, Sheffield. That you know, it feels like the people are coming together to try and make something happen. So fingers crossed. I hope so. I signed that petition. I'm sure you signed that petition. I've signed it many times and promoted it and hopefully get people to sign it. Yeah, man. Well, fingers crossed. Honestly, it would be devastating. I I know that I've only been here a couple of years, but need to keep that. Too right, too right. So the evil plan is coming together. Um, Probably not now. I'm just telling everyone my plan. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you come to Sheffield, you've, you've worked your way up through the industry, doing it the right way, you know, supporting, being supportive of other people, which is a massive thing for anybody to, if anybody's looking for a tip to, on how to progress, just go out there and support other people. That'll help you more Completely. than anything else in the industry, I think. No one's going to give a shit what you're doing if nope. you're rude or, or yeah. you're insincere or, yeah, it's just not a good look. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, so the, so, the, so the plans come together and then you got this call from Ben, the lovely Ben at the lead mill around, um, you know, because w- w- when I saw you announce it, that you're playing the main stage of fucking tram lines, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how the fucking hell has that happened? Talk me to you. So, <laughs> so, so, so we're kind of like, I, I know now, but just talk me through, you know, what that experience were like and finding that out. And I presume you had to keep it quiet for a bit as well, which, which will have been hard work. Well, funny thing is, it was like a dream. So, like I said, yeah. I'm at work, I'm at the care home, boring, pissing it down with rain. Yes. Uh, sat dwindling on my phone. Yes. Bing, are you free? And <laughs> I'm. Uh, he said, no, seriously, make sure you're free before yeah. you confirm this gig. And genuinely, throughout the whole conversation, I thought we were talking about the fringe at the lead mill. Mm. And uh, I said, yeah, my band are free. But I replied too quickly and he was like, no, actually check, check, they're yeah. free. And I was <laughs> calling them, they weren't answering. I was like, they're free because actually <laughs> they were going to be free. Whatever it was, they were going yes. to be free. <laughs> we're, we're all in an understanding. That's yes. for, whatever. If Ben Hartley wants us for something, we're going to be yes. free. Um, so I said yes. And then I think it was like a couple hours of back and forth and with details. And I said at the end, I was like, so are you talking about the Leadmill stage in Hills Park? Or are you talking about the Leadmill French, like the main room? Yeah. And he was like, main stage in Hillsborough Park. And I literally burst into tears. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I literally burst into tears. That was never a part of the blueprint. Mm. That's got me now. It's like such a big moment. Like, I was at work and they were like, you know, you can go outside and like, you know, take it in. Because I was like weeping, like washing the dishes. Just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and I, I was trying to call my band because like I said, I couldn't get hold of them. I was like, answer the phone like answer the phone and I, I was like guys I have the biggest news ever you have to answer the phone nobody well my drummer didn't get back to me for hours and hours and hours my mum my dad nobody answered the phone so I was at work like having like I don't know it was just like it was the maddest feeling ever and um he basically had said I need to know for sure within like an hour so I found out on the shift at around 11 12 at 5 p.m the official poster came out with my name on it, wow. with sound, with everything. I, mm. that the It was obviously like, if I hadn't replied or if I yeah. hadn't said my band were free at that time, you'd have had to call someone else. Mm. If I hadn't been using my phone on shift and from now on, I will always go on my <laughs> phone on shift. Yes. Yeah. Well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's absolutely insane, Carl. So wh- absolutely- why do you think Ben... Um... You know, I had so much faith in you to to do that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I assume word of mouth. By this mm. point, I've been really, when I say like part of the blueprint is working so hard on your admin, mm. so many emails, so many people in your contacts. And I think by that point, people had started talking about me, um, which was great. Like, obviously... I think we'd had like eight plays on BBC introducing that year, which actually is quite a standout fact on its own. Yeah. And it was eight days before he messaged me that I'd sent him my bio. So obviously I was fresh on the mind. 
he probably double like cross checked with someone that everything I'd said was true. And if he had talked to any of the people, they were, probably would have said, "Oh yeah, she's really good live," or "Oh yeah, I do play her songs all the time." And then it'd have been like, "Cool," because our vibe is really summery. Mm. It's like an acoustic beachy album, but it's good for a summer festival. Yeah. yeah. So the the day came round. Talk me through the day of Tramlines, the main oh. stage. <laughs> it's gone cold. Just <laughs> talk me through uh, the day waking up and, you know, the process of getting your accreditation and then walking around to that big fucking building that's in the park what? now. Talk us through Talk us through what it was like. How did, how, how, did, how did the guys react to the news that they're playing main stage, by the way? Did anybody have anything on and you had to make them cancel stuff? No, like everybody... People would have like cancelled their. Yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, we were going to play. Yeah. Um. So what, what were their what were the band's reaction like to to the news? Just before. all right. So Danton just didn't believe. Like he, he was <laughs> yeah. like, "What? I don't get what you're trying to tell me." I was like, "What is the biggest stage or the big the thing you would want to do more than anything as a band in Sheffield?" <laughs> he was like, "I don't know. What are you on about, chick? I've got to go." I was like, "Look, we're playing fucking main stage timelines." He was like, "What?" Like, just, it literally was not processing. I had to screenshot the chat. And he was like, who booked you? He was like, thinking I was lying. I was like, Ben Hartley. He was like, Ben Hartley. He's like, send it to me. And then he just messaged me, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. But, but then he just went offline. And I was like, oh, I'll just deal with this on my own. Like, I yeah. was like, ah, no. You can hear <laughs> from the story that this is, like, the best thing that could have ever yeah. happened to me. Yeah. Um, and then Oscar, our bass player, didn't reply all day. He replied after the bloody poster had come out. So, what well, did he see the poster he, first? Um, that would be rom- a romantic way of. Oh, okay. yeah, out. But fact, I yeah. don't know if he. Had, I don't think he'd have looked at the poster. Yeah. But yeah, the poster was out. I sent him the poster that was already out to mm. tell him that we were playing. Wow, that's that's <laughs> he was great. Like, yeah, yeah. He just replied, "What?" And I was like, "I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for a bit more." If anyone wants to call me and scream, that'd be yeah. great. Just like nice. So, so that so that day came around then. So, what time did you get? Did you sleep the night before? Did you, um, you know, is it one of them? Is it like Christmas Day again when you were a kid? It, it must have been it was that like kind Christmas. of vibe. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, so, my little sister, she that was the wild card. Was me and my sister sing so good together, mm. um, and I really wanted her to do it with me just because if what a cool thing you can give to your sister, like mm. that experience and to do it together and we'll remember it forever. So we only had two rehearsals together before and that was the scary part. Yeah. But she came up the night before. Um, she helped me pick my outfit. I was like, I've, you know, I went for a haircut. It was wet. I was like, it's way too short. She was like, don't worry. We'll tie a bandana around it. You wear this. <laughs> like everything yeah. I was panicking about. And we went, we did our rehearsal once and it sounded great. And I was, she was like, right, let's stop rehearsing let's chill chill let's go to bed and we went to bed and like four hours like later i was still in bed like this like, <laughs> yeah. like, fucking what? um and me and oscar and danton were texting each other like it's tomorrow and like it's really happening you know because we found out in november and it it was it was july it's yeah. quite a lot of build-up yeah um so yeah we got in the car danton picked us up we did like three gear checks that we had everything um we like went and got coffee and we were just like shown to our dressing room and we, it was in Hillsborough stadium, like in those yeah. glass boxes over the pitch. And it was, I, like, I was, so I was interviewing shed seven and I saw your name on one of the, on one of the boxes. And I'm like, Oh, good on <laughs> <laughs> it. 
I'm still not over it, obviously. Yeah. Why would you be over it? I'll yeah. never be over it. So but, did, did you get did you get like a buggy to take you to the main stage and stuff? That's what that's, yeah, that's like. A, we had like a van. That was cool. Yeah. I got in the van because we'd left something behind, and uh, I looked behind me and I start talking to these people. And I, I was like, "Oh yeah, what are you doing here?" Or they were like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, "Oh, we're playing first. Like this is such a big deal. Like what are you doing here?" Mm. They were like, "Oh, we're Declan McKenna's band." I was ah. like, "Of course, of course you are." <laughs> um, funnily enough, I got to tell the drummer. Um, the the little anecdote about they played the O2 and it was rammed and I'm not normally a bitch but I absolutely love Declan McKenna and it was it was like a present for my girlfriend so I was like right I'm gonna get us to the front by telling everyone that the drummer's my sister <laughs> so we did we got to the front and I was like oh she's your sister go 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 I was like thank you so much like we really appreciate it. and then like I'm sat there talking to the drummer I was like mate I told everyone you and my sister to get to the front. She was like, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, but we bonded over being from the South. And then she was like, I'll come watch your set. And then when we finished, uh, we had a guy filming it all. And he was like, I just spoke to Declan McKenna. He said that your set was good. I was like, oh. amazing. Yeah, it's just funny. It's fu- it was such a weird day. What was it like but, walking out onto the main stage for the first time just for your sound check and that kind of stuff? That was like, that was weirdly weirdly really fun now the whole Mm. thing was fun i thought you know it is a bit intimidating when everyone's i think we walked out and sam fender's band were like sound checking around the Uh, around the sides mm. and that was like they were like dude that's sam fender's band and i was like oh oh my god but i kept my cool man we just went and we did our thing and it's it's so much easier to go through the motions when you're there um but yeah it can easily get like nerve-wracking because i can imagine mate (laughs) i can imagine it's like a whole orchestrated business and you're just like you walk into the eye of the storm and everyone's mm. like you go here right you wait there right we're gonna need this that and that and i'm just like i don't know it, i just did my thing and it went really well yeah. and we had a great time like even at soundcheck we were laughing and just go looking at each other like this is nuts like it wasn't lost on us how nuts it is and i'm not stupid enough to think that i'll ever get the opportunity to play on a stage like that again but <clears throat> there's not the plan, remember the plan, the plan's going to plan so far, you know, you never know, it might, it might be a few of them coming up. The plan sort of ends here, I've got to make a new okay, one now. Right, okay, fair <laughs> It was just like Sheffield domination plan, it's not yeah. worlds. But also I I didn't actually think it would work and I haven't thought, thought past this point. World yeah. domination sounds pretty yeah, terrifying, I don't yeah. know if I'm up to it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I I was there. I came to see you uh, to to play on that main stage. I can remember I just finished an interview with Shed Seven, running over and just saying she's on. Uh, piled down to the front. Really enjoyed it. You gave a lot of love to the gingers in the crowd. Um, yeah, we have to. Yeah, that was that that, <laughs> that that was always fun, and you know a lot of the crowd. Uh, you, you, you're really engaging. You know, the, 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 being part of the crowd and watching on that big stage. Uh, I felt engaged with you as an artist. Uh, you know, how how do you, you know, where's, how do you do that? <laughs> I literally just try and tell people how I'm feeling or what the song was about. Yeah. And because everything about my project is so personal, whether it's, yeah. you know, my sister's up there, every song is about an experience I can mm. specifically remember. And if I want any song that fits to the moment, I will tell that story and bring people a little closer into like, my life or people and situations in my life and make people feel like they were there or like it reminds them of something that happened to them. And um, I really am just so grateful, happy and like proud to be there that it, 
I don't know. I think people just like they they like that. They relate to it. I'm very human. I'm I'm a bit goofy and a bit overwhelmed, but that's because it's fucking crazy. Like I don't I can't believe people even want to listen to what I do. Let alone like stand in a field and watch me. And people, people. people like real people. You're you're a real person. You're you're, you're a talented person. You're you're honest. You're uh, you're open about everything. You know, all all those things make you engaging in my eyes. Well done, mate. Thank you very much. So, where where do you see yourself now uh, with in in the industry? What what kind of you know what comes next after that? <laughs> I'm moving my well, arms like that because I don't really know what to say. <laughs> yeah, well now. We, we need to take a little break because I've pushed yes. the guys really quite hard yeah, fair um, to get to this point. And mm. like, they're such good musicians that it's fine, but they have like lives and my bass player's married and mm. my, uh, whatever, everyone's got their own thing. Yeah. So really we're going to take a step back, um, right, work on a whole new set because this set we've been uh, playing for tram lines. We've been rehearsing for ages yeah. and it's good for the band to be refreshed. I've got so much more song, many nice. more songs. Mm. We've just been working on these to get them like perfect. Yeah. But we're going to new set. I've got new new material, and we've got a single coming out. The next thing to focus on mm. is the new single because everything that we have played to get to this point has been music that I recorded four years ago on my own. Mm. So there's nothing of them out there yet, and yeah. they've already played Tramline's main stage. So it's time to now introduce the guys. And uh, yeah, we recorded this song. I love it. It's a song I wrote over lockdown, but the way we write is I do mm. write the songs, bring it to the lads, and then they put their whole like groovy, fresh, funky twist on it. They're such a unit. And when we put that out, I think it's going to be a whole new era. Uh, the production of it's going to be like different. Mm. Um, Beach City was an acoustic full band album, and this one's not. Like bring out the electric guitar and my pedals. As you saw at the gig, mm. I got a lot of pedals and stuff. Yeah. Um, and really just shine through in this whole new way. Uh, we've even got like a lot more twists of like grunge and jazz and it's going to be weird. It's going to be awesome. It's very much something to look forward to. I'll put links to all your socials uh, and everything. So people watching this that are enjoying, you know, meeting Harry for the first time, you can get involved <laughs> with Harry's socials while she's getting attacked by a fly. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there, Not cool, is it? <laughs> it's fine. we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, I, 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 I've been in France for the last week and I got bit by a horse fly. <gasps> they're the worst it had it, it had two like dots in my arm uh, annoying my leg and it was just like oh god this is gonna blow up but nothing happened so i'm immune to horse flies i'm not being yeah i'm not being like part cocky horse, or anything. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, man. so <laughs> is, is there anything else that you want to share with you know harry larkin fans out there just before we let you get on with your day and uh, i know you've got a big weekend with the family down in cornwall this weekend to look forward yeah. to too so is there anything you'd like to share before we let you crack on with a lovely weekend with your family um, so we've got a gig with Black Waters, the yeah. amazing Black Waters yeah. at Yellow Arch in September. You can find all the like links and stuff on our yes. social media. If I'll put the link in the description. It's, we'll, we'll, get, we'll send people straight there. Yeah, go to the websites and check it out. Uh, we've got our music online, new uh, single out 26th of August. Mm. And really just if you have actually started following me and give a damn, thank you so much. Uh, there's so much more to come and it's been real. All right, I've I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more today. Next time I'm in Sheffield, I'll let you know, and we'll we'll have we'll a, we'll, drink. we'll have a, we'll have a drink and say hello in real life. Thank you so much. Bye, right, thanks, Harry. A beautiful soul. 
Yeah, I need to uh, pop a pint in front of Harry. I like that glass. Yeah, thanks for tuning in and hanging around to the end, guys. That's another week of the RGM Podcast Experience. How did you find it? Tell us about it. Pop onto the socials. Or even in fact, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I say it every week. But, uh, if you could leave reviews on however you're listening to it on podcasts, uh, on on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you're listening to podcasts, uh, reviews really help the, the podcast get up the uh, algorithms, whatever all that means. We really appreciate you hanging around and supporting us, listening every week. It's very much appreciated. So yeah, that's another week. If you enjoyed the show, share with your friends. Pop it on the WhatsApp group. Share it around. Lads, I've just listened to this new podcast. It's class. If you're in a band, share it with the band members. Uh, if you're listening to new music this week, tag us onto the socials. We'd like to hear from you. And we'll share it, of course. If you find a new band that you're, uh, that you're invested in, let us know about it. We might not know them. And then we can share it. And then share it with the other people that are listening around the world thanks guys this has been another episode of the RGM podcast you can find all the latest news on all what's going on uh, within this podcast at, on twitter at RGM pod um, all the video versions of this podcast are live on youtube too so just go just type in RGM on youtube and it's there I wish you all the best for the week ahead Hope you uh, earn a few quid. Hope you get to as many gigs as possible. Supporting the bands. Buy yourself a t-shirt. They'll appreciate it more than what you'll ever, ever understand. And have a lovely week. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Carl Maloney. This has been another episode of the RGM Experience Podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you for sticking around. Tune into rgm.press throughout the week. Loads of st- fest- uh, festival stuff coming through. Uh, more comedy stuff, more reviews. Uh, it's all about the music. You'll find whatever you need within our little website, www.rgm.press. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Toodle ooh. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.